Out of Place, written by Fei Li, read by Kaylin Wrights. Chapter 5 You can't keep doing this, mate. Harry had never felt closer to death, including the time he had died. He grabbed his head and pushed himself to sit, eyes clamped shut after testing and finding that opening them was torture. Here, Neville said. Neville pushed a file into his hand. He fumbled with the cork and drained its contents. The potion set to work only moments later, cooling and dulling the pain that had taken over his body. Harry tried his eyes again, and this time it was safe. Neville stood near the door, his arms folded. He had a McGonagall-like air. What did I do? Harry asked. His voice croaked, and he massaged his throat for a moment, looking around at what he guessed was one of the leaky cauldron's guest rooms for some water. I helped set the pub to rights before I came up here, for a start, Neville said. Tom's only not banning you from the place due to you being you. What would the public say? Neville moved toward the bed and sat next to him with a bounce. Harry got his wits about him enough to conjure a glass and fill it with water. His wand felt foreign in his hand. Kingsley Firecold, consider yourself on leave until you get control of yourself, Neville said to him, then refilled his glass for him. You don't have a sleeping potion on you, by chance? Harry asked, already feeling this world wouldn't be the best chance at fixing what was wrong with his life. Not a chance. It's past two already. Get dressed, clean yourself and this room up, and I'll wait for you downstairs, Neville said and clapped him on the shoulder. On his way from the room, he waved his wand, banished some of the rubbish, and the furniture arranged itself back to normal. Harry drained the glass and banished it before standing on shaky legs. He laundered and de-wrinkled his clothes with a couple of successful spells before he put the rest of the rooms to rights. A sack of galleons sat on the small desk, so he removed a healthy handful and stacked those on the splintered wood before pocketing the rest. He left the room and headed through the windy corridor and down the creaky wooden stairs to meet Neville at the bottom. Neville led him through the pub, then grabbed his arm in a tight grip. The apparition was unsettling. Their destination, number twelve, was not. Harry trudged up the stairs, entered the house, and headed straight for the kitchen. Neville closed the doors behind them with a soft click and directed him to sit while he gathered a tea tray. When Neville had served the tea and toast, he sat across from Harry and seemed to just wait. What? Harry asked between bites of toast. You need to talk, Neville said to him and thrummed his fingers on the table. You go first, then I'll talk, Harry said. His best chance of being taken seriously was if he knew what this world was like. Neville nodded and gathered his white teacup closer to himself. His reluctant nod worried Harry. We love you, Harry. We do, Neville said, then broke his gaze from Harry's. Just say it, mate, Harry said. You're a mess, and I think you know it. We're trying to piece together a world that's been torn apart, and at every step we're fetching you from a gutter. Neville stood, too restless to sit. We'll keep doing it, you know we will. But one of these days, we won't have to anymore. What do you mean? Harry asked, his stomach churning. You'll be dead. The way you're going, it's inevitable. I'd rather it not be the case, 
so I'm asking you to please stop. Tell me what we... what I can do to help. Please, Harry. Neville looked desperate as he met his gaze. I've a few questions, Harry started. They may sound silly. Anything, Neville answered. Is Voldemort dead? Neville sat back in his chair with a thump. Harry had thrown him off, it seemed. Yes, Neville said, his voice questioning and higher-pitched than usual. Grand battle on Hogwarts grounds, the 2nd of May. Do you not remember? How could you not remember? I remember, but I told you they'd sound strange, Harry said. Neville nodded and drained his teacup. Go on, then. Who did we lose? Neville's mouth dropped open. Harry waited for him to gather himself. Neville stood and ascended the stairs. Harry heard him moving even further up the house and refreshed their tea while he waited. A few minutes later, the sound of heavy footfalls descending the stairs preceded Neville's re-entry. He had a folded page from a newspaper in his hands. The paper landed in front of Harry, and he unfolded it. He remembered this article from the Prophet right after the war. A list of war dead. This one was bigger, longer, just more. He scanned through the names. Ron, Ginny. The only Weasleys to have survived seemed to be Bill and Arthur. Luna and both Creevies were further down. His year at Hogwarts, but for Neville and Hermione. Familiar names, such as Tonks, but Remus was absent. Oliver Wood, McGonagall, Flitwick, Slughorn, Snape. Both Elder Malfoys and what seemed to be all the Death Eaters graced the list. This world's battle was a bloodbath. Roughly fifty deaths in his time, this one had hundreds. Just as his eyes drifted from the page, he spotted Rubius Hagrid toward the end. He dropped the paper. Well, that explains it, Harry said, and drained his cup again. Can you get Remus here? Hermione, maybe. Neville nodded. Yeah, I'll invite them for lunch. We'll all talk then, yeah? Yeah, Harry agreed. Harry watched as Neville flew around the kitchen preparing their food. He rebuffed all offers of help. Neville seemed to know his way around, perhaps better than Harry did. The front door opened and closed, and two pairs of feet clunked down the kitchen stairs. Remus looked tired but in good spirits, but Hermione looked awful. Dark circles hung low under her eyes, and she had pulled her hair into a knot at the back of her neck. Harry stood to receive the hug Remus seemed to want, and Hermione pulled a chair out and collapsed into it. Harry, Neville, wonderful to see you again, Remus said and patted Harry's back, then turned and pulled a chair out for himself with care. Fortuitous timing. Teddy's just been handed off to his grandmother for a week. Hi, Remus. Hello, Hermione, Harry greeted and sat back down. Thanks for coming by. What do you want, Harry? Hermione sounded exhausted. Neville directed plates and cups in front of them all, taking his own seat. Harry fiddled with a fork before folding his hands in his laps. This is easier with a pensive, Harry began. Hermione's curiosity took over her face. They haven't replaced the pensive at Hogwarts. I wouldn't know how to gain another, Hermione said, 
then took a reluctant bite of roasted potato. I'm not mad. Without a pensive or mind magic, I won't be able to prove that, but I'm going to ask that you try to believe it. Remus raised a hand to rest on his shoulder, and Harry could read concern on his face. Go ahead, Remus said. In for a penny. This world is wrong, Harry said. He focused his eyes on the teapot at the table's center. I'm not saying that it's unfair, which it is, or that it's not ideal, which it isn't. Hermione's chair scraped back as she stood and tossed her fork onto her plate. Enough excuses! You're not the only one who's had to handle everything! Hermione's raised voice wasn't enough to distract him. I'm telling you all that it's not the way the world is. Magically. A week or so ago, I touched something I shouldn't have in the Department of Mysteries. Harry explained. Hermione sat back down, her murderous expression fading from her face. So it only happens when you sleep? Hermione asked. Yes, well, except for the last time. I think I was stupefied, Harry said. Do you think the magic is coming from you? Is it anchored in you, or are you anchored to it? I wouldn't even know how to answer that, Harry said to her. Hermione stood, placing her notes on the table, and moved around to him. She took a deep breath and raised her wand, and cast a series of spells. He didn't know them, but could tell by her words that they were medical in nature. The third sent a chill down his spine, and she grabbed his shoulder to hold him still. When the cold sensation left, she moved back. You seem unchanged. Magically, anyway, she said, and retook her seat. The room was quiet and Harry looked up and watched Remus's eyes as they shot back and forth while he read. After a moment, Harry sighed and leaned back in his chair. What is it? Harry looked back up, and now Remus's eyes focused on him. Since this... since this thing happened, Dumbledore, Snape, Sirius, all of you, Professor Flitwick and I have researched, examined the scythe, and chatted about all this. I'm thinking... It will never end, Harry said to him. While Albus, Sirius, Severus, and Phileas are some of the best minds you could have on a puzzle, they only had one day to work on it. So will we. How many of your cases can be solved in a day? Remus said. Most, if I'm to be honest, Harry said. You need to have patience with this. We're talking about ancient magic that we don't know yet how it works, or where it comes from. I understand it's frustrating, but we will figure it out in the end, Remus said. His lips turned up in a half-smile, then he looked back down at his book. Reading, days on end, had made Harry restless. He stood and rifled through the unfamiliar cupboards. This version of him had bought a house in Godric's Hollow, and he was thankful that it wasn't James and Lily's. Harry found the cold cupboard and pulled out various ingredients to make a stew, then set to work blood on the blade hadn't worked. Perhaps his death would. That would have to be a last resort. Harry focused on his work, and once he covered the stew to cook, he was feeling ragged. He excused himself to take a shower and climbed the stairs, opening each door in the hall until he found his bedroom. The armoire held most of his clothes, and he selected a soft shirt and worn jeans, pants, and socks to take with him. 
He stood in the shower longer than usual, the water hotter than he liked, and just let his thoughts flow down the drain. His hands were pruned by the time he washed himself, rinsed, and stepped out. He left his shoes in the hall and headed back downstairs in his socks. The table was even more full of notes, and there was a rather lively debate going on. Harry moved past and uncovered the stew, stirred it, and then covered it again. He rested his hand on the worktop and watched the water condense on the pot's lid. Harry, Hermione called. Startled, he turned around. Sorry, what? Do you want us to go over what we've learned so you'll know tomorrow? She asked. He nodded and took his seat. Remus, Neville, and Hermione took turns talking, and he could only half pay attention. Harry would watch their mouths move, but the sound was beyond him. He felt lightheaded, and his ears rang. After a few moments, he came back to himself, but they had stopped talking and were watching him with concerned expressions. Perhaps you've had enough of this for today, Remus suggested. Neville stood up, and Harry watched him move to the stove. He filled the bowls that were set there earlier and brought them to the table. Harry looked back at Remus and nodded. I think I just need to sleep, Harry said. Remus nodded and stood up as Harry did. Let me help you upstairs. You wobbled a bit earlier. Harry looked at Hermione and Neville. Thanks for your help, he said to them. Hermione nodded and frowned, and Neville said, Of course. Remus guided him upstairs, and they stopped at the door to his bedroom. If I'm not there tomorrow, you must know I love you, Remus said to him, his voice catching. Yeah, Harry said. Thanks for everything you've done. I'm sorry. You've nothing to be sorry for, Remus said to him. He grabbed Harry's shoulder and pulled him into a brief but powerful hug. He pulled back and met Harry's gaze. I'll be downstairs until you sleep. Harry nodded and entered his bedroom and left the door open as he climbed into bed. He listened as Remus went back down the corridor and his footsteps trailed off as he made it downstairs. Harry closed his eyes and for a while just listened to the distant murmur of voices until he faded into sleep.